This is Way Family Church, and you're listening to our sermon podcast. We invite you to join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030. We meet at Lawford Middle School in Tucson, Arizona. For more information about who we are, upcoming events, or if you'd like to connect, visit us online at www.wayfamily.church. Now get your Bibles ready, and let's begin. You guys mind if we pray? Lord, we uh, come before you today and we uh, continue just to lift up praise to you, Lord, and you deserve our glory and praise. And we sing hallelujah to you today, Jesus. Lord, I pray that as we enter this time of uh, looking into your word, Jesus, the, the words that you spoke to us, Lord, we would just pray, Father, that you would just lead us, direct us, that you would open our hearts, and that, Lord, we would, most of all, be able to praise you through it, giving you glory and praise. Thank you for this opportunity to praise you, Jesus. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Everyone awake and ready to go? Awesome. Well, uh, my name's uh, David, and I hadn't had, I've got the chance to meet uh, a few of you this morning. Some of you I know from times past, and uh, some of you I'll, I'll be meeting, hopefully, for even for the first time today. Um, but I am uh, the pastor at uh, Common Ground Church, which is in uh, Saudita. So uh, we are actually the church that works with Brandon and Sandy and works with you guys as the sending church for Way Family Church. So it's exciting for me actually to be here today with you guys just to see the, the mighty work that God's doing in, in this uh in this area and for your church, and it's just awesome to see how much you're growing, and I'm excited uh, about all the work that's taking place here. So, uh, in fact, um, if you guys don't mind, I know this is going to be really weird, okay, but can I get a picture of you guys from this standpoint? Because I, what I want to do is I want to be able to take it back to uh, Common Ground and show the church that we're a part of there. And so can uh, everyone give me a good smile? Wait, I, wait it's got to be happy. You guys got to do something like real big, like yes or something like that. No, say, say Way Family Church like super loud, like go up. Okay, one, two, three. Way Family Church. Perfect. I love it. Okay, good. So I have that for next week. I'm going to show that on our screen next week. And it's just cool. I love your pastor, Brandon. And I love his wife, Sandy. They are wonderful people, right? And uh, they're going to be back next week. So you guys get to see them next week. And uh, I'm thankful that church, that you were willing and open for them to have this time, uh, this month, for them just to be rejuvenated and be strong. You know, church planning is not easy, right? And uh, they give it all their heart and, and, and mind and, and uh, strength. And, and so I'm thankful for them to have that opportunity just to be strengthened and to come back strong. And I know they're very excited. In fact, I've, been, I've had the opportunity to meet with them over the last couple, uh, two or three weeks as well, just to kind of catch up with them. And they are so ready to come back and see you guys, and they love you, and, uh, and, and I know they're looking forward to it. So, um, But I'm thankful to be with you today and to, just to join you guys in this service time. And uh, for, for the last number of weeks, you guys have been going through your values, right, as a church. And uh, so you started this series about a month ago and, um, and going through each value. So I'm going to do, this is going to be a test, okay? I want to ask you, what is your values as a church? So can you guys tell them to me? Go ahead. What right now? One, two, three. What's your values? <laughs> you guys cheated, didn't you? You saw that. <laughs> right? 
Yeah, so it's reverence, truth. I'm going to cheat too. Reverence, truth, family, and service. And that's what you guys have been going through. And I just want to kind of rem- remind you, and I love, I love these values as a church, and I hope that you've been getting a lot out of it this month just to kind of dive into these. But reverence is the whole idea to rightly fear the Lord and to cultivate a reverence in His name. That's what uh, you guys started out with. And, and obviously, we want to fear the Lord, had that respect of our Lord to revere him. And, um, and so I'm thankful that as a value for this church. And then truth, to obey and stay grounded in the word, the scriptures, and all we say and do. And, uh, and so you guys, uh, I think uh, Pastor Ben spoke on the, the truth a couple weeks ago and how we make that the authority in our life and, and we live by that as believers in Christ. And then last week, uh, we, we did family. And um, um, Pastor Monty Patton spoke on that last week, and, and that's to protect the family unit as God designed it to equip families to seek God together and become a biblical, genuine family of believers. That's your value. And obviously, um, it's, it's good for us to strengthen our families, and not only as we have our individual fam- family units in here that we're strong as families, but also the body of Christ together. This is a family that you guys have with one another. And uh, I see the, the love and the strength in the room just now, and so thankful for you guys to have that community and, and to continue to build that community, right? So that's, that's the three things you've been over. So today, we're going to hop into service, and we're going to talk about your fourth value to serve, and I'm very excited to uh, hop into this task, and it really has to do uh, a lot with the, uh, the, the Great Commission that Jesus gave us. Now, let me just go ahead and read uh, what your value is as a church to serve, is to, uh, to, like Jesus, serve and not be served, to display the love of Jesus to our community in real and tangible ways. So this is a value of your church. And, and I love this is because it really, uh, it really plays out the commission that Jesus gives us. If you guys remember, before Jesus ascended back to heaven in Matthew chapter 28, he said these words, go and do what? Go and make disciples. He said to, to go and make disciples. And one of the ways that we do that is by helping to serve other people. In fact, Jesus uh, over and over again gave these commandments before, uh, to his disciples to, to go, to be sent. You know, as a, as a believer in Christ, we are called and we are sent out to go and make disciples. I want you to hear what Jesus says in, uh, in uh, John chapter 17, verse, eight, uh, uh, verse uh, 18. He says, as you sent me into the world, he's, t- he's, he's praying to the, God the Father, right? He says, as, I sent, as you sent me into the world, I, I sent them into the world. He's talking about his disciples. So Jesus uh, was praying. Again, it's getting close to him going to the cross, and he's praying. And he goes, God... God, as you sent me into this world, now I'm sending them into the world. So it's a very similar thing. He says it again uh, before he ascends to heaven in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Let me read this. He says this, uh, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so Jesus spoke these words. All this is ha- happening before he goes to the cross and before he sends. Some of these are his very last words. So if you had some very last words to, to tell uh, those that are closest to you, those would be important words, right? And so Jesus, before he ascends back to heaven, after his resurrection, these are some of his last words. He says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world. Basically saying, you'll be my witnesses everywhere 
and I'm giving you the power, the Holy Spirit that is going to come upon you so that you can be about this task. And so Jesus' uh, word is for, is for us as believers, as his disciples. Now listen, if you are a believer in Christ, you are a what? Disciple, right? You're a disciple. And Jesus sends his disciples. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this uh, phrase up on the, on, on the screens here, but I'm not going to throw them up. Someone is, right? So uh, you are sent. As a disciple, you are sent. And so I want you guys to, I want us to make it personal. I want you to say out loud, I am sent. Go ahead and say that. All right, you guys feel that? I am sent. God is sending you to go and make disciples. Now, how do we do this? Well, and this is not the catch-all, this is not the catch-all of making disciples, but one of the steps that we can uh, be sent and to love people and to have the opportunity uh, to share the wonderful news of Jesus Christ in people's life is to serve them, is to uh, be the hands and feet of Jesus in other people's lives. And so that's what we're going to dive into today and talk about how do we serve. But before we get into uh, talking about serving, I want to talk just a moment about paradigm shifts, okay? Um, you know, we all at times will face paradigm shifts in our life, in our culture, uh, in technology, there's paradigm shifts. So um, uh, I know people were very interested in this when I came in. Uh, I had this pink phone, okay? Um, so I'm going to put this up here so you guys can see this. I'll turn it around, all right? Now, first of all, a paradigm shift is a fundamental change in approach, right? It's a, it's a, it's a significant shift to one paradigm to another paradigm, right? That is different than what you're used to. And it's a totally different way of looking at it. So uh, it's, this is pink because this came out of my daughter's room, okay, guys? Um, and, um, yeah, sure. <laughs> and the, uh, I, we bought this phone for my daughter when she was about 11, 12 years old. This is before we gave her a cell phone. She was into wanting to start in the call, friends. So we said, we're going to start out here. And she, uh, she loves kind of, uh, you know, vintage stuff. Is this vintage, guys, now? It is. It's vintage now, right? And so she loves vintage stuff. It was so funny when I uh, first introduced her to this. You know, I had to teach her how to do the rotary part. He said, you got to go all the way over and come back, right, to register that one. And uh, so she learned how to use this. But do you guys, how many in the room remember having one of these phones? Raise your hand, okay? Several of you know this phone, right? It was, at it was attached to the wall maybe. And some of you had like a 40-foot cord, right? You guys remember that? Where you can go anywhere in the house, close the door, wrap it around people, and you can go barbecue in the backyard somewhere, and maybe mow your lawn, but you can still be on the phone because you had this huge cord, right? But it was like it was attached to the wall. You had the dial and everything. And that's the way, we, that's the way phones worked. But you had to be at a certain spot to use that phone regardless of the 40 feet, okay, with the cord and stuff. And then there was a paradigm shift. And what was the paradigm shift? Cordless came. That changed our world, right? Now you can walk everywhere. You didn't have to have the cord, right? You, and, and you didn't have to worry. Now, there was other issues with that. And then there was another paradigm shift. What was the other paradigm shift? Yeah, so we moved to cell phones. And then we moved to 
Smartphones. Now, how many of you in the room have a smartphone? Raise your hand. Like everyone does, right? Just about everyone has a smartphone. This, would you agree, is a paradigm shift. If, if you can look from my pink phone here <laughs> to this, paradigm, I mean, this, I just did it. It is a camera. You can video stuff on this. It's a computer. You can pay your bills on this. You can, um, uh, what else can you do, guys? What else can you do with this, huh? Scan documents, right? Buy, you can buy a house. Wow. Hey, one of the bar- super paradigm shifts for me is that I can order my Dunkin' Donut coffee before I leave my house and pick it up just like that when I go through the drive-thru. Paradigm shift. I love that, man. I love doing that. I mean, this changed. I mean, this is a computer that we carry around with us. We can pay our bills on. I mean, this is a paradigm shift. And all of us adjusted to this, right? So we get the paradigm shift, right? Jesus spoke to his disciples during his ministry a paradigm shift when he taught his disciples to serve. And I, want to, I just want to give you this, this paradigm shift that, that Jesus gave his disciples. But uh, we, we just talked about the, the rotary phone to the iPhone or Android. I just probably offended somebody said, I don't have an iPhone. I want Android, right? Who's Android in here? All right, who's iPhone? Uh, you, guys, you guys can fight later, okay? You can fight later, right? Jesus spoke of a neuroparent shift. And I want, I want you to think about it this way. Crown to apron. Crown to apron, okay? From crown, a lot of times when we think about ourselves is we really want to wear the crown, right? And when we think about the crown, the, the crown represents in our life uh, our position, our rights, our comfort, uh, the power that we want to bestow in our life. We want to wear the crown. We like to have the power. But Jesus, when he was with his disciples, he spoke something different to them. He said, for, for, uh, in being my disciple, you've got to take the crown off. And he basically says, and you put on the apron. Now, what is, it, what is, uh, what is significant about it? What does an uh, apron speak? To put on an apron, what does that speak? It means work, right? It means service. It means that you are, uh, you are doing something to, to give something to somebody else, in, in essence, right? And so Jesus actually spoke. He said to the disciples, I want you to take off the crown in your life, and I want you to begin to put on the apron. And this is a paradigm shift. It's, it's, it's a big move, right? In fact, I want, I want, to, I want to show you a time where, where Jesus, let me ask you a question. Is it hard to give up the crown, by the way? It is. Can you guys think of any crowns that you have in your life that you say, you know, I, don't, I have a hard time setting that down? I had my, uh, you know, my girls are always bringing over friends and stuff to my home. And, um, you know, we will have lunches and dinners at the house sometimes, and they're all around. And, does anyone have their own seat? Like, that's your seat. Like, you sit in that seat all the time. The other night, someone was in my seat, right? I'm like, do they not know that's my seat? No, I'm just kidding. But I had to, you know, every once in a while, you got to step aside, and actually, the whole table is theirs, and I'm in the kitchen 
eating somewhere else. But it's an idea of, okay, I got to give up the seat. I got to give up the crown. I got to be willing to say, what can I do to start thinking about others as Jesus taught us to do? Listen to what Jesus says. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. He said to his disciples, the son of man did not come to be served, but to what? To serve. You guys see that? The Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for men. I mean, Jesus went so far as to say, not only did I not uh, not only should we serve but with his life, he demonstrated coming from heaven into this world to live among us, to even give his life. That's the kind of service. He says, my life will be a ransom for many. And this is the example that he gives us. He said, we're not to serve, but we're to, uh, uh, we're, I mean, we're not to be served, but we are to serve. That's the paradigm shift. And actually, there is a, I want to show you a moment where Jesus really drives this home to the disciples. He drives it home to them where he actually puts on an apron. And he serves his disciples. So let's look at, let's look at this account. It's found in uh, John chapter 13. We're going to start in verse 3. And, and if you remember, this is, the, uh, this is Jesus having the Passover meal with his disciples. This is right before he knows he's about to go to the cross. And he's having this, this kind of last moment meal with his disciples before he goes to the cross. And, and in this moment, he teaches them this paradigm shift. And I want you to see what happens. He actually puts on an, an apron and he serves his disciples. He says, uh, verse 3 in John 13, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Let me ask you a question. Who has the power here? Jesus. It says that God the Father had put all the authority and power into his life. You see that? Right? So and, and, and Jesus knew, he says, knew, he knew that the Father had put all things under his power. Now, verse 4. So he got up from the mill, he took off his outer clothing, he wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that, so get the picture, he's wrapping a towel around his waist. So it's just kind of that apron mentality, right? Now look what he does. It says he wrapped a towel around his waist, verse 5. After that, he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash his disciple feet, disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around them. Now, this has exposed the paradigm. Because Jesus, in the context of his disciples, he's the master. He's the teacher. He's the one that has the authority in the room. And, and so he's having this last meal with them, the Passover meal, and he's the master and teacher. Listen, the master and teacher in this culture, he was the one that was normally served. He was the one that would normally be the one that would have the seat of honor um, at the Passover meal. So he's the master and teacher. But Jesus flips it on them. And instead of being served, what does he do? He wraps a towel around his waist and he pours water into a basin and he begins to wash his disciples' feet one by one. Now, here's the significance of this. Feet washing was normally reserved for the lowest person within the room. What that means is that those that would have the lowest authority, those people that, you know, maybe were the youngest or, or, you know, were seen as the lowly person, they would be the one to wash the feet. And the master 
would be served. But Jesus flips it, and he begins to wash their feet. And it's a lowly position because, let's just face it, how many of you like washing crusty feet? I mean, think about it. And think about those feet back then. In Jerusalem, walking around the streets, ancient Jerusalem, walking around with sandals. What did they step in? I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to wash that, right? And Jesus, he washes their feet, and it just, it just messes with the disciples' minds. In fact, uh, uh, Peter, he goes, Lord, are you going to, he goes, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Basically, Peter's saying, I should be washing your feet. He couldn't believe it. This was not, this is not the norm. This is, a, again, it's, a, it's that paradigm shift. Uh, and, and listen to what Jesus says. He says, do you understand, this is verse 13, do you understand what I've done for you? He asked. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for this is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. So you see, Jesus washes their feet, and he sets an example. It's so interesting. Again, this is one of the last moments that Jesus has with his disciples. I mean, if there was a message that he wanted to give them. It's so interesting that he not only gives them a message, but he shows them the message. And he washes their feet and he says, you know, I'm, I'm the master and teacher, right? But I've washed your feet. Now he says, you'll be blessed if now you will do the same thing. I've set you this example. Now go and now serve in like manner. So basically what Jesus is saying, to follow me. And to be and in being my disciples, we are to take off the crown of power, the crown, the crown of rights, the 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 whole idea of, of this is my mind and this is what I'm going to do with mine. And we got to got to take away the idea that it's about me. And he says we need to turn our focus to being about others, and not only to being about others, but actually serving others. With a strong heart and mind. With our hands and feet. To love them. You know, it goes back to Jesus' words in Matthew 20, 28. I mean, this is, Jesus was giving this example, but it goes back to these words. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom of many, uh, for many. Jesus came, very specifically, to serve us by dying for us so that we could be saved. Uh, to, to go through the, what happened on the cross, to take our sins. And then he, is, he ascended back to heaven, and before he does, he gives us a mission. Now that you're saved, now I want you to do likewise and now serve others so that they can have the opportunity to hear this great news that they can be saved through me. And so that's what service is about, that we take off the crown and we put on the apron. So this is what I want to do. I want us to talk about, because if this is the paradigm shift, how do we do this practically? Like, what are some things that we can do in thinking about serving others and being other people's lives? And so I, I want us to go to another account of Jesus. It's found in Matthew chapter 7. 
verses uh, 31 through 35. Uh, this is an account where Jesus heals uh, a man, uh, a man that's deaf and um, is basically mute. He can't speak. And, uh, and through this account, um, I want to give you four principles. We're going to call them four practices, serve practices, uh, that maybe you can apply to your life, okay? Um, and so let's, let's look at this together. Uh, it starts in verse 31, Mark chapter 7. Jesus it says this, Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre, and he went to Sidon, down to the city of Galilee, and to the region of Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hands on him. And after he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. And then he spit and he touched the man's tongue. Man, I'm always taken back by that. It's interesting, right? How Jesus would perform certain miracles. I don't know why I just said that, but I thought that was cool. Yeah. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said, Ephatha, which means be opened. And at this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. And so, from this account, I want to give you four practices in to serve. And here's the first practice. This is serve practice or principle number one. Serve in proximity. And what I mean by that? Serve by understanding who's around you. And to begin to think about Who's around you like every day? You know, you go back to, you go back to this, Jesus, um, this account. I just love what it says. It says, some of the people brought to him, in verse 32, some of the people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hands on him. And when I think about this, Jesus was the type of person at which he made himself available to the people that were around him. I mean, think about it. Jesus actually made himself available to all of us in the fact that he came out of heaven into this world, took, took on human form, both fully God, fully human. But he gave up his crown, in essence, of, uh, of being in heaven, came to humanity to walk among us, to, to share the way with us, and then to die for us. I mean, that's ultimate service and the reason people were able to come to him and to ask for healing is that he was among the people people saw that there was no threat to to be able to go to him and to, that he was available to them he was with them and Jesus made himself available to them and and so this is where when we think about ourselves and, and, and moving back from the crown syndrome, this is something I want you guys just to think about. It's so easy when it gets into serving that we want to, even through our service, put the crown back on. And in our service, we want people to see, look what I'm doing for them. Or look at what our church is doing in the community and promotion. I mean, I just, I just, I'm guilty of that. I just took a picture of you guys that I'm going to show to my church, right? Right, but isn't it so? Isn't it so easy that sometimes that we we all of a sudden want to put the crown back on to say I'm serving, but I really I'm the one who wants to get the glory out of the service, and so we look at different ways to promote these things instead of just looking right next to us and seeing how we can just serve the person right next to us or our neighbor. 
you know, no one has, no one has won the, um, uh, the Nobel Peace Prize uh, by basically serving their neighbor right across the street. But to Jesus, that's one of the highest things that we can do is to begin to look around us, taking our crowns off and just to look around us to see who's available or who, who, is, um, who we can love. And this can be our neighbors. It can be the people we hang out with. It can be family members, right? Those that we work with. All around us every day, instead of us making a big splash, all around us every day are people that need the love of Jesus and for someone to show them love and they're right next to us every day. And so Jesus, he served in proximity. He served in those that were, uh, he served those that were around him. And my question to you today is who is around you every day that God can give you a burden for to serve them, to love them, just putting yourself aside and, and saying, I'm going to, to do something for them in the, in the name of Jesus. And here's something else. You know, verse 31, it says, Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre, and he went to, uh, through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of Decapolis. He went to all these different places. It's about 80 miles altogether. It's pretty interesting to hear how Jesus traveled through. But I got to thinking about this. Jesus went 80 miles to meet this guy in the capitalist who was deaf and mute and needed healing. Some of us, we've moved from all around the United States. You know, it's one thing about uh, being here in uh, Tucson. We're kind of a transient community, right? We, we, many of us didn't grow up here. We, we moved here, and sometimes we wonder, why, why did God bring me from, for my sake, I'm from Florida. You guys, uh, someone said I had an accent, right? <laughs> All the way from out east to Tucson. Think, think about it. Why would God bring you here? Well, obviously it could be a job. It could be family. It could be going to school. Whatever. But what if we thought about it this way? Maybe we're here because God wants us to make an impact of someone's life. It could be that deaf, that mute person that's right there beside us. And that's just a symbolism for anybody that's here. Who... Has God brought you here? And you might be at a work that you don't even like. But you're there, maybe, because someone needs Jesus. And so how can you begin to look around you and say, I'm here for a reason. God has asked me to serve. Now I'm looking for the people to serve around me. Now, hopefully when you came in today, you got a card, a little card. Uh, we're actually using these in our church as well. Um, it's, we call it, we actually do um, a thing called bless, which is we're in prayer for people, we're listening to people, we're uh, eating and building relationships with people, we're serving people. Um, but I thought that um, you could look at that card, and there's, there's like spaces on that card. There's like five spaces. I want to challenge you. Like, who's around you that you can start writing their names on that card, and you begin just simply praying for how you can serve those people? And just to be thinking about uh, who they are so that you can possibly connect with them. So that's, a, that's the first thing. Um, I was going to stop and let you guys start write, uh, write one name right now. I'm not going to do that, though. But 
I want you to, you know, before the day's out, could you write three names, you know? And, and you're thinking about those that are around you, right? All right, here's the next thing. Serve uh, practice number two. Serve perce- uh, with uh, perceptivity. Uh, and so you're, you're, you're perceiving needs that are around you. And you're actually caring for people, okay? So going, going back to, to Jesus, it says he took, uh, when the deaf guy came to him, he took him aside away from the crowd. And I thought, I thought that was so interesting that Jesus, I mean, he had healed people publicly before in front of everyone, but he takes this guy, he takes him to the side, and he heals him. And I got, got to thinking about that. Why does Jesus do that? And I think it's because he perceived in this guy that this guy needed more than just a healing, but he also needed compassion. You know, sometimes we look at people, and I want to tell you guys, sometimes we look at people as believers, we look at them as a project, but they're not a project, they're a person. And we need to look at people in a way that we care for them. Think about this deaf and, and, and mute man who had been deaf and mute all of his life. When he spoke, he spoke kind of probably in garbled language, maybe, you know, and that brought attention. Now, I don't know if, what it was like 2,000 years ago in ancient Israel, but I'm wondering whether, you know, kids could be kind of, you know, still picking on others that had differences or even adults at times. Sometimes our society even likes to shun people. And back in that society, they, they could be even considered as outcast, right? And so Jesus perceives that this, he's not going to make a spectacle out of this guy. He brings him aside and he cares for him in a, in a different way. He perceives his need, but he also loves him in a way that he's not going to make a spectacle out of him. He's just going to heal him. And he sees him as a person. I love that. It's compassion. You know, so many times we like to look at people from the, the outward appearance and we, and, uh, or from a lifestyle or whatever, that sometimes even the lifestyle can just buck up against us. We're like, oh, man, that just rubs me wrong. But, you know, many times behind that, there could be something else that we're not seeing that we can care for them in a different way if we just got to know them a little bit more. Like, what's, what's, what's the background? What's happened in their life? How can we take someone aside and care for them in a perceptive, different way that we treat them as people and we love them as people that really desperately maybe are looking for something more? I'll never forget this. I was, uh, this is years ago. I was taking trips down to Brazil to do mission trips. And we were uh, in a, a Brazilian town. Um, and basically, we'd go through the, the, uh, the villages and we would, I said, I said that wrong. It's, it was like a big barrio neighborhood or whatever. We'd go from house to house. And one of the things that we were doing is we were sharing Jesus, but we were also inviting them to a home to see the Jesus film. This is back when the Jesus film was real popular. And, uh, and we would find a home in the, in the uh, kind of a person of peace that would be willing to sh- sh- uh, show it in their home. And we would invite the community to come and be a part of this. I had this uh, young guy uh, an interpreter that was helping me uh, as we would go around and we would evan- we would uh, speak evangelism and things like that, but we was inviting people. And I remember uh, we was about to have a showing of the Jesus film uh, in uh, this home. And there was lots of people outside, and and I was wanting to talk, but my interpreter he was gone. I didn't know I didn't know where he, where he went to. Um, and after a while, I did see him. He was kind of off to the side sitting with a, um, a young lady. 
And she was crying. He was talking with her. And I said, well, he's doing some good work, right? I just kind of let that along, and we were just trying to get people into the house. And, and he, later, he came over to me. And I, when he came over to me, I noticed that he didn't have any shoes on his feet. I said, where's your shoes, man? He goes, well, you saw me with that, that, that girl, that young lady. She was embarrassed because she was so poor she didn't own a pair of shoes. She was embarrassed to go into the home to watch the Jesus film. She didn't, want to, she didn't want to walk in with no shoes. And so he said, I gave her my shoes. And she went inside, and, you know, later that evening, she gave her life to Christ. And I, and I will never forget that image of his name was Glarmy, was his, uh, was his interpreter's name. He's in the United States now just doing a great ministry, by the way. He gave up his time. He took the girl aside. He talked with her. He found out their need, her need. He gave his shoes to her. Because of that, she walked in and received Christ as her Savior and Lord. What a great picture of service, of us connecting with people, perceiving their need as we're trying to serve them and to help hopefully walk them to a place that we can share with them Jesus Christ. And so we're being perceptive. We're, we're caring. All right, just a few more. Uh, number three, serve personally. Jesus says, uh, it says in verse 34, it was very personal for Jesus. He says, he looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said, uh, said to him, emphatha, which means be opened. And this, the word here uh, in the, is that, that whole idea of, of sigh means like he, he, he let out a, a burden. Like if you was to hear a friend who, uh, who was maybe put in the hospital all of a sudden, you'd have this sigh upon you, right? Well, this is the way Jesus felt. He's like he, was, he had a, a sigh about him as he reached out to God the Father for this uh, man to be changed. He had a, a deep empathy for this person, but, and it was very personal for him. See, one of the things that I think that we need as, as believers in Christ is we need a burden. We need a, 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 a care. That we need to make it personal. Like, listen, if your neighbor, if your neighbor uh, needs to hear Jesus, who's going to tell them? We don't need to put it off to somebody else, but we need to make that personal for us. And not to mention that sigh and that, that hurt is to know that if they leave this world without a relationship with Jesus Christ, they will be separated for eternity. And we believe in an eternal hell where they will be separated from God for eternity. And that's not what we want for them. And so we need to have a, burning, a, a burden and a longing, and we need to make it personal. We don't need to push it off to somebody else, but we need to have this, this feeling like it's God has called me to be a part of this process. Did you know in Arizona, nine out of ten people do not know Christ, do not have a relationship with Christ. Ninety percent of everyone that you walk by, nine out of ten people that you walk by on a daily basis, they do not know Christ. Please feel the burden. God has called us to be a part of that. And who is to tell them? His disciples, Jesus Christ, us, to have that burden.
Last thing. And it's this. And I like this one. Serve powerfully. Serve powerfully. Jesus, it says, he looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said, said to him, Ephatha, I'm probably saying that wrong, but I'm trying to say it confidently. So you guys think I'm saying it right, okay? Um, which means be open. At this, the man's ears were open and his tongue was loosened and he began to speak plainly. And I just love the, the fact that Jesus, he looks to heaven. He looks to God the Father. And he prays to God the Father for a life change for this man, for a miracle to take place in his life. And it, it, he's looking for God, for God the Father to give him the power to heal. And I understand, you know, in Jesus' earthly body, that, that relationship, he'd go to God the Father, he'd pray, and then and, and, God, and Jesus would, would do miracles in, his, in, in the power of who he is. Here's the cool thing for us. As believers in Christ, we have who living within us? Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in us. And it's so interesting that Jesus says, he says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. When the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. Do you know that you have the power of the Holy Spirit living in you? And that power is to be uh, lived out in our life. That we are to go confidently. That as we're serving, we're looking to Jesus and saying, Jesus, show me what you want me to do. And now give me the power to do it. But not only that, Jesus, would you do a miracle in this person's life? Particularly, Jesus, would you save them, which is the biggest miracle of all. For someone to come to know Christ is the best thing that could ever happen to them. And we're praying for the power of Jesus to move in other people's lives. And we are confident that he can do it because Christ can do anything because he's most powerful. He's our Lord living in us. And we believe it. And so we live with confidence and with power. And so as we're serving, it's so much more than us going and pulling weeds in someone's yard. But as we're doing this, we're praying for that house. And we're praying for opportunities for conversation that they may come to know Christ as their Savior and Lord. As we're giving someone a ride somewhere, we're in conversations with them. And if they need healing, we're praying for their healing. And we're praying that it happens. And we pray over them. Like we have an expectation that God's going to do something mighty. And so we pray for it, that God would move in their life. And that most importantly, that God would use us as his tool to share that good news that their life could be changed forever. And we do it confidently and powerfully because we have the Holy Spirit living in us. And so we believe it. We look to God to direct us and then we move confidently that he's going to do something in people's life. And so if they're sick, we're praying for them. If they have an addiction, we're praying that God will set them free. If they have a relationship that's hopeless, we're asking that God will reconcile their relationship with whoever it is and that we then point them to Jesus in their life. And so we look at these four practices um, and living it out. So let me just review what they are just real quick, okay? Number one, proximity. Who's around me? Right? And then uh, uh, practice number two is perceptivity uh, or, or perceiving, right? Like what, what is it that's going on in their life that I can truly care for? And then there's that, that burden 
that we want to have in our life. And so we're, we're praying and we're making it personal. Like, God, have you put me in this person's life for a reason? And then we pray, we, we practice the power of Jesus. We're praying over them, right? And we just step into what God's going to do. You know what's cool about serving? When we serve, when you've been served, have you felt loved by others? Serving others opens the door that we can share the gospel. We just got to get busy. It's all around us. The mission field is right here. And wouldn't it be awesome if every week, because we're connected with it, more and more people are coming to know Christ through the ministry of Way Family Church because you've got that burden on your life. I love this. I love this value to serve. And I know that Pastor Brandon wants to join with you in doing this in, the, in this community, right? There's need everywhere, just all around here, right? We've got houses going up everywhere. And so this is what I want, uh, this is what I want us to do today as we end. I want to have the band come back up, and we're about to do a little bit more worship. But um, I want to just give you a challenge. It's called it's the 48-hour challenge. <laughs> in the next 48 hours... What step can you take to serve somebody? I mean, if this is your value to serve, maybe it's someone on on your card. I want to ask you to begin praying for those people. And then maybe God will give you an avenue to serve them. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's someone at the store today. But in the next 48 hours, I want to challenge you. Would you be willing to serve somebody? And be praying to what God can do to open up uh, an avenue for the gospel. Would you guys be, be willing to do that? Let's pray together. Lord, I just come before you today and I thank you so much for this value as a church, Lord. So important. And Jesus, you taught us this paradigm shift. Lord, you tell us to love one another. To serve one another. The greatest among us are those that... Um, serve others. That's the paradigm shift. And so, Lord, we would just pray that, Lord, you would give us this burden in our life, Lord, that we would be about this service. And not just to serve, but, Lord, that we, when the time comes for us to share the best news that people can have, and that's you, Jesus, die on the cross that so we can have salvation, that we may share it, that they may believe and come to know Christ as their Savior and Lord. And, Lord, we would just pray for a movement. And can I say this as you guys have your heads bowed? I don't know who's in the room today and if this is you, but some of you may need to receive Christ today as your Savior and Lord. And if you haven't done that, would you reach out to Jesus and give him your life, believing that he died and was buried and he rose again, believing that he, uh, in his resurrection, he gives the power to change us, that we need him to forgive us of our sins, that we're sinners, and that we turn to him for our life. Have you ever prayed to God for that? Would you give him your life today? Lord, we just pray, Father, that maybe even someone right now is just praying to you and giving their life to you, Lord. And Lord, I, I thank you, Lord, for what that means. It means a, uh, a, a new life, a new creation, being set free and to live for you and to be saved. And we thank you for that. And Lord, we just give you this time today. Lord, I pray that we will not leave 
without this burden to serve in the next 48 hours, Lord, that we would be obedient to do so. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus today. Amen. Amen. Let's, let's worship together now.